Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast. It's so great to be with you. And um, I'm Dr. Fujian Zain, and I'm a psychotherapist and author and uh, originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. Our conversation here is about what matters most in our life, our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. Some of you have shared with me your interest in uh, knowing about our latest book, so I want to share those with you. Our latest book is Intentional Parenting, a Practical Guide to Awareness Integration Theory with two of my amazing colleagues, Dr. Nicole Jafari and um, Dr. Eileen Manukian. Um, they're both uh, experienced in uh, child development. Uh, Dr. Manukian is uh, um, a researcher in um, actually early development, and she is the uh, originator of um, Gen Educare, which has brought the awareness integration theory in uh, working with infants all the way to six years of age. Dr. Uh, Jafari uh, teaches in universities and also teaches and has done a lot of work with me in researching the awareness integration theory in different population. This is uh, intentional parenting. So you can see that we have taken um, different um, groups from infancy to toddler to um, let's say um, teenagers, preteen, school age and even young adults and have taken the awareness integration methodology and kind of weaved it through. Uh, not only we've talked about cognitive development, uh, physical development, emotional development, but then some of the uh, matters and concerns that might happen in those specific ages and how you can, through awareness integration theory, work it through. So this book is for uh, parents, for educators, for mentors, um, and who work with children. And I, I'm positive you will really enjoy them. The other book that I wrote is towards psychologists and coaches, psychotherapists, coaches, all of those who wanted to learn um, the uh, awareness integration theory and therapy, um, clear the past, create a new future, and live a fulfilled life now. And this goes through... Um, all the phases, all the six phases, and um, shows you as a therapist or a coach in what you need to do, how you need to take each stage and work with your clients and um, have this as um, an amazing tool for you so that, uh, you know, you can also, by the way, we have certification program for therapists and coaches who want to be certified and so that your name will go to awarenessintegration.com and the new app that is coming, and I'll let you know as soon as um, the app is ready, um, that the name of the providers will also be there. So everybody, as they're going through the process when they need a therapist and a coach um, who is um, certified in this model awareness integration, that they could um, have accessibility. So if you are interested in taking the courses, let me know. And if you're uh, interested in getting the book, and um, you know that's available for you. I'm excited in this episode that I will chat with John Boris. He educates about the very thing that makes us tick, the roots that makes for success or failure in our work, relationships and personal well-being. John is a philosopher, he's a writer and a psychological researcher. 
Um, he's earned his degree from the University of California with a degree in philosophy. Uh, we're going to talk about his latest book, Discover the Power That Drives Your Personality. And um, he's going to talk about four virtues. He's going to talk about love. He's going to talk about justice. He's going to talk about wisdom and a power, uh, which he says that these four are going to be a motivator in our personality. It's a great book. It's, we had a great conversation. I literally, really learned a lot. And I'm excited about taking the test and going through it and really look at it. So I'm positive you'll really have to really enjoy it as much as I do. He, uh, this book is the result of over 20 years of application and another 15 years of research for him. By applying European discoveries into field applications involving hundreds of sales prospects, John invented a groundbreaking approach to personal inquiry that revealed the person's life motivation and authentic design far, far beyond just sales. He discovered that our drive for happiness, meaning, purpose, and harmony manifest the hidden power beneath our observed personality, which he calls authentic self. Um, so I'm positive you're going to enjoy the conversation as much as I have. I want to hear from you. So call me, text me, Email me any, any way that you like. Go on to any of the social media and uh, message me. Subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel and connect with me through my website, fujanzane.com um, or any of the social media. For some of you who love to self-help and um, you like to work for, with yourself and journal and do all of that, don't forget to get my book, Life Reset. Um, the awareness integration path to creating the life you want. Uh, the good news is this book is also are going to be in audio. So for all of you audio book lovers, uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks and I will let you know. So without further ado, um, I want to introduce to all of you, um, John Boris. Here he is. Hello, Mr. John Boris. It is so nice to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to talk about your latest book. Discover the power that drives your personality. Have four virtues uh, define your world, and um, it, you're doing an introduction to the life themes of love, justice, wisdom, and power. And I know that you're coming from two different angles. One is philosophy. One is obviously you know psychology, and bringing this together. So the first uh, question that comes up for me is. Why'd you choose these four and uh, what got you, what was your process that came through where you looked at the personality from these four concepts? Well, uh, the concept of four came from uh, me thinking of um, why is it we have uh, north, south, east, and west uh, and how we describe 
the world around the globe in four four different directions. And then I realized that uh, uh, there's four seasons, but there really isn't. It's continuous. Four shows up quite a bit throughout history and philosophy. Many philosophers have broken up um, categories of personality types in fours. So, uh, of course, Carl, Carl Jung are focused on four. And so that's, uh, I began to look into that. And the more I looked into it, the more I found uh, discovery. One was a surprise that occurred about uh, a few years ago was um, uh, UNESCO, United Nations uh, uh, Scientific uh, Cultural uh, Organization. Um, they broke it down to uh, people learn to be, uh, learn to know, learn to live with each other and learn to be in action. So that coincided with so many other things I had written. So I took that position and then I wanted to find out if it's true. And I spent 20 years doing that. It's amazing to look at um, love, justice, wisdom, and power. And you brought love as the first, like was there a reason why uh, did you prioritize them or is like, no, they're exactly in the same level of priority. We're just going to take one and go at it. That came from Heidegger, the idea of care. Uh, he, he focused on care as a primary motivator. And that makes sense. That's how you start your motivation. But you care to do what? You care to learn because you want to have life have meaning. And you take caring and knowledge and together they create a sense of fairness or what we call justice. And the last one is to be in action. Uh, many have written about that as a primary motivator. So I had plenty of information on the four and that order would make the most sense. So let's talk about love, which is like you said, one of the primary aspects of survival pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. A young um, infant, a human infant, um, if it does not have the love, um, just giving it food and shelter, um, it's not going to flourish. So love and the attachment that is there to the primary caretaker, maybe mother, maybe father, creates a lot of the essence of the person's motivation, personality, motivation for living pretty much, like a purpose for living. And I know that some of the... Um, uh, some of the research that has been done even on animals, <clears throat> whether they're uh, the monkeys or I even saw the latest that showed up with wolves, that the attachment that obviously dogs have, which we all experience it, but even wolves have created attachments, for example, with, uh, you know, with a, a, like a human being that was around them or other wolves, and they would really suffer when that attachment was not there and the attachment based on love. Uh, was going to be there. Um, can you share uh, a little bit about the virtue of love? Uh, the the love aspect starts is like you might say starts the engine of motivation, because you care about something, you care for something. And I ask uh, my clients uh, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Is always going to be what you care about during the day. You're concerned. You have, and that's the, in a sense, a source of energy, psychic energy is care, to care. Uh, the caring is moves into I want to have my life to have meaning. I want to have relationships. Why? Because you care. I want to be in action because I want to change the world in some way. Why? Because you care. 
So it does always come back to the concept of love and caring and as a, as a primary motivator. And then that motivation, how do you utilize it during um, your everyday living? Like how do you, how do you from your methodology bring this into uh, an everyday um, living, let's say? So my focus was uh, on symbolism. Most uh, people learn symbolism being uh, something like the Apple on the uh, Apple uh, computer or uh, different signs. Um, and, th and that's how we look at a symbol. But in truth, a symbol is anything that has a name. Anything. That means the floor. That means your background. That means your name on the wall. That means what you're wearing. Everything about you resonates with who you are. Or you wouldn't, you wouldn't be there. You wouldn't have these objects around you. And so if you choose to be around certain objects, those objects must in some way reveal who you are, the essence of who you are, not your character, your essence. And so by reading what's the objects around people, about people and events, for example, you can discover the essence of who they are, what really motivates them of those four. So um, I, I would see that everywhere I went, because I cold called for 20 years, so saw a lot of businesses, and their pattern was always the same. And um, uh, loving people would be, uh, they'd have a flower shop, for example. Uh, they would be in the hospitality. Um, the uh, justice people would tend to be entrepreneurs. Wisdom people tend to do a lot of research. Um, and the power people, uh, they are the, they act, they're the actors of the world that gets things moving. And so you'd watch this. And it's, we, we have all four, by the way, but one of them dominates. And that's what I look for. And I always find it. And what's more important is I've taught others how to do the same. Mm -hmm. So how do you, uh, how do you see the dominance um, have value? So for example, if someone uh, has love as the dominant value, um, and, and you said how it manifests, but um, how does one of them become dominant in someone from your perspective? Well, I studied Jean Pichet and uh, also Baldwin, and uh, they studied uh, genetic logic and genetic epistemology. And the idea is we're like an acorn. Who we are is in who the, the, the tree is in the acorn. And as the tree grows, you see how it resists uh, uh, wind or doesn't, bends, uh, is it diseases, do they resist? Um, and, and that's the only way you can test uh, the character of the tree itself. People are the same way. You already have everything you're going to be when you're born genetically. Now you've got to discover it. That's why there's a lot of books that uh, say discover who you are. And they've been around for quite a while. So it's not like I'm going to learn something totally new that's totally alien. That's not going to happen. You're going to learn something that to some extent you already have the capacity. And so by knowing that, then everything else becomes clear. As I watch the things, I look at the things around people the events uh, that they engage in uh, and the people they associate with. 
and the object. So as you say that, for example, if uh, if a value system in one family was a uh, higher dominance in love, mm -hmm. so as children grow within that family, um, the acorn already has that dominance. So they come in not only genetically, but behaviorally, since that is being enforced consistently into their actions, mm -hmm. therefore automatically it becomes, that would become the dominant piece for them. Yes, but if, uh, keep in mind, it's only uh, a shell. It's a type and kind. Now, how you express that is totally up to you. But you're going to be a love person or you're going to be a justice, wisdom, or power. And it's also, uh, and I traced it uh, to families at, to, uh, to follow uh, the genetic path. It's always been there. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're looking at now, the, for example, the next uh, level, let me uh, let me also show it to people. The book is Discover mm -hmm. the Power That Drives Your Personality, How Four Virtues Define Your World, An Introduction to the Life Themes, Love, Justice, Wisdom, and Power by John Boris. Um, John, when you're talking about now justice, uh, obviously... Fairness is one, and usually we find fairness in in comparison sometimes with the other aspects of the world. So love can be the internal experience that we gain from like the primary caretaker, our mother, father, people around us. Justice, it appears that usually somehow it holds a, a, from outside of us. Like we go to school and then we suddenly see, or we have a sibling and we see our sibling having something and our parents says no to us. And it's like, okay, fairness is if my sibling has a pair of shoes you just bought or a gift you just bought or you gave him ice cream, I should be having the same thing. So somehow the justice shows up as in a comparative aspect between me and the world and whatever is happening in the world that I claim first justice. And then sometimes in, you know it goes beyond me and I look at justice even though it might not directly affect me, now it extended itself to the world that I might look at, you know, uh, another country's movement or something and have an opinion about justice or something that is not even around me. And, you know, it's a community or a society value and then, you know, ask for justice. Um, that's been my experience as I've worked with, you know, clients. Can you share from your perspective concept of justice? Uh, I agree with everything you say. Um, justice, the idea was um, to find the very kernels of what justice is. And you see it in children when uh, you, you, if you were a father would grab a toy from a child and that's not fair, that's mine. And it's, it's inbred. Also, compare and contrast is inbred. We always understand that, as you said, duality. Um, then you have... Um, Let's say someone, uh, if a minor uh, four-year-old accidentally shoots off a gun and hurts somebody, you don't throw them in jail. Now, the reason is justice combines love and wisdom together. The love part says we cannot throw that child in jail. Ah, the wisdom says, yes, but someone's been hurt. That's a fact. Fact and and and. Uh, your senses together makes the justice. What's fair? You have to bring in both. 
the morality of it and the facts of it. And so, yes, the, it is about compare and contrast. And it enables us to bring together objects and meaning, two different things. So the justice side brings in duality of the justice, of the wisdom and the uh, love. And uh, it comes in many, many forms. And you also, in um, in your book, share about the justice of strength, like a person who has justice, they have a strength, like striving and for and embodying balance and harmony, able to manage and organize a lot of diverse, diversified inputs that are coming from the world. They can find patterns in everything and uh, seeks fairness and balance of power, resourceful. Uh, you say they're pretty much natural entrepreneurs. And you also talk about challenges. So you go through every four, each one of these four and talk about the challenges and, and the strengths. And the challenges you shared was trouble accepting compliments and giving them, fear of being wrong and harming others, perfectionism and constant retweaking, um, exhausted by so many alternatives. And procrastination and can definitely you know uh, part of the challenge can become passive aggressive um so when you're bringing this into the motivational aspect of the uh, of the personality uh, you're saying that because when we talk about personality we're talking about a filter like it's as if you know we just put on this other you know uh, glasses on like if it's a one red glass or then we're going to put a blue or a brown or whatever or a gray then we're going to see the world from that aspect uh, because that would be the become the personality and when we view the world from that per personality or uh, you know virtue um, then it affects about how we're also perceiving uh, how the world is is that mm -hmm. accurate in what I'm oh absolutely yes uh, the the way I approach personality is um, it's how we behave. It's all about behavior, first of all, personality, and it's how we behave. What I wanted to know is rather than what you want, and I don't want to know why you want what you want, I want to know why you have desire to want to want. Very different. Very because now I'm getting down to more of the essential of who you are. I mean, that personality, as you said, is really socially governed, taught, learned. Think of it this way. We could have been, we could have been born anywhere in the world, and uh, your parents could, and uh, you would have been born. You could have been France and Germany and Brazil, whatever. So that genetic material is there. One is to bring on the attributes of who you're going to be, but at the same time, you have to have the flexibility and the and the genetic composition to be able to uh, meld in with the culture and learn the culture. So it can't have any content, only form. So you can be in Brazil and fill uh, that that with uh, what you're going to learn about that culture, and so that's what people see. Many people even say that the personality is uh, actually. Uh, taught from other people by by seeing other people, mothers and fathers, and and just uh, uh, other students, etc. And so I I take and I separate them out: the authentic and the synthetic. The synthetic is the synthesis of what you've learned in that culture. The authentic is who you are. Yeah, I like this um, 
distinction you just made, which is there is a there's a there's an aspect of your personality that comes from internal processes, and it is there, and a lot of it is genetic and shows up, and you're calling that authentic. And then you're saying what we pick up from the world, we role model from the world, and you know we kind of bring in and accumulate. You're calling that synthetic. Mm -hmm. And also on the synthetic side, there's where change occur, mm -hmm. but not the authentic because you'd have to turn into another person. So you're saying that the whole concept of change can only happen on the what you see and hear from other people values you've taken from other people and those you could actually shift but the genetic factor it's regardless of the behaviors that you do it's not going to change it's yes and so let's say uh, john wants to learn how to organize and john goes to a course on organizing john learns uh the material in the course John takes that material home and John applies it. John becomes organized. He's never been organized before in his life. That's the synthetic side. But John was always there, wasn't he? That's the point. John never left. The essence of John, not the character or the manifestation of John found in personality, but the essence is still there. So as I'm talking to you, we're also going to look at this just pops in in my mind. Um, it's also looking at um, just reading these about set points, like people come in with a set point because we've heard, you know, we've heard set points about body concepts like weight. Uh, many research on happiness was saying like, you know, people have a disposition of happiness, which they have a set point. doesn't matter how much you go around, you're just going to come back, you know? Um, so part of the genetic that shows up, the temperament of a human being um, and some things that are just there, it's always watching and holding and is. So what we learn from a personality concept, we learn how to adapt to the world, the best of our capacity in order to live in the world, survive the world, move ahead in the world these are all you know like behavioral concepts um coping mechanisms um strengths and right. skills that we learn in order to move however mm -hmm. the one who's there and watching and deciding to do all of this um is the authentic one which is which is stable and has shown up in in that way and then it just does the coping mechanism and moves forward and does all of that is that what i'm hearing exactly and so uh in a course i would say think of uh, an event a happy event uh when you are say 10 years old it could be your christmas or birthdays whatever it is you, and to have that have yourself in your mind now describe yourself and how did you cut your hair what did you wear what were you doing now after you do that I want you to step into that image and turn back and describe who's doing the seeing. You can't. Who's doing the seeing is your authentic and is beyond language. You can't directly uh, associate with it. Directly. You can by inference, like I do in authentic systems, but you can't directly. 
And so that shows the difference between the authentic and synthetic that I could show people um, very easily. Let's finish the other two and then come back to the authentic system. So let's talk about wisdom. Mm -hmm. Say it's the teachers of humanity. Tell us about wisdom as a um, domain. So wisdom, um, uh, I'm, I'm a wisdom archetype. All that means is I always want to know. Well, that means I always want to know. So when people, uh, this is a very dangerous situation right now, because when people ask me what I do, I tell them and I tell them. And this is uh, uh, habitual with wisdom people because they assume that, that I want people to know, they want to know, they want me to tell them so they can know. And, and the fact is I could be boring everybody, giving them information they don't want. And uh, that has happened, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Now, when it comes to, as a wisdom person, I look at love through how long have I known you? What do I know about you? When it comes to wisdom, then that is something that I'm totally immersed in. I want to know because I would simply want to know. And justice is, uh, it wasn't fair. Did What did they know at the time? And that makes the difference to me if it's fair or not. And who knew what and when. Power, I look at, are they using it wisely? <laughs> that's a wisdom person. So they have all four, but that was, that's what dominates. And you share the strengths are uh, people who are dominant in wisdom is they're curious and open-minded, able to process vast amounts of information, objective and discerning and patient and diligent, idealistic and embracing of ideals and clever and resourceful um, in their thinking ability. And uh, the pitfalls or the challenges could be, like you said, being seen as intrusive or overly inquisitive, overwhelming people with information, being insensitive and becoming suspicious of others. Interesting, becoming suspicious of others because they keep looking at different types of information about others. I want to know why. Why did you say that? Why did you look that way? Why? Why? That's what's going through my mind. Okay, got it. And let's go to power. Mm -hmm. uh, power people are uh, so misunderstood. Um, power people just, they're the agents of change. A, a, a real clear uh, trait of a, a, a power person is they really don't care what other people think of them. And there's a good reason for that. Is um, There are certain people that they care. They would care that they, what they feel about them, but um, they don't because they can't, don't, they can't afford the time to, it takes to learn the different um, opinions of everyone else. They have an opinion of getting a job done and they don't want to hear about everyone else because they feel they have the right way. Now, once they're given the job, then they're going to see it through. And if, if something happens in the meantime, it doesn't matter. We're going forward. That's what uh, a power person does. And so power people, uh, it's very interesting. They, they, they feel deeply when they feel they have emotion uh, I had a power woman who actually read the uh, Constitution at a party and cried at the same time. That's a power person. Power person is, is an extrovert, and they just do what they do because they feel that, and that's what needs to be done. Very pragmatic and responsible. 
Yes, in the uh, <clears throat> strengths, you are a willingness to step in and actively take charge. Belief in personal empowerment, enjoys challenges and competition, leadership abilities, um, objective approach to problem solving, and has vast reserves of energy, which you also say the, they're extrovert. Willingness to be hyper-responsible, and the challenges are being seen as uncaring and insensitive to others. Uh, being seen as selfish and self-serving and being forceful, bossy, controlling, pushy, um, and knowing when to push and when not to push. So right. where the, the four uh, shows up, let me share this with all of you. Discover the power that drives your personality, how four virtues define your world. An introduction to the life themes Love, Justice, Wisdom, and Power by John Boris. Um, so now let's talk about your um, the authentic system that you say that you do go through um, and kind of uh, access that part of you that you say it might not be necessarily very observable or accessible. Um, yes. Um the authentic uh, is, again, I look at uh, the objects around someone, the words they use, uh, the people around them, and uh, the events that they engage in. And together, it's holistic. Together, uh, they have a theme. And when it comes to the system, that's why I call it authentic system, is because your authentic identity is a system. It's self-contained, self-sustainable. It grows, repairs itself and learns its own way, and, but it is a system. And that system will not break unless there is a, a, a psychic intrusion of some kind. People uh, have issues or traumas, et cetera. But what you deal with, uh, of course, that's different. But it is a system. That's what your authentic identity is. And you have to engage with something that conforms to your authentic identity in order for you to be a person, a single person. So you're born in the world and there's lots of values you could have taken, but you don't. You go through it, you go through experimentation when you're young and then it slows down and you have a sense of self and you maintain that sense of self the rest of your life. Um, is there a point in us to getting to know the authentic self or can we just assume that is there. I know from a wisdom theme concept, obviously people want to know because they're knowers and they're curious about that, right? But right. beside that, uh, besides just doing, you know, kind of being curious about knowing, and when you say it's not a direct access to it, and what how we access it to get to know it is through uh, the manifestation of it around us. That's what right. I right. Mm -hmm. So right relationships we manifest out there whatever results we're creating it kind of mirrors in who we are right so right. Then, you know we could we could kind of go back and look at look at the outside and then change the lens and seeing where what was this motivation and where did it show up from and then have an assumption at all oh, okay well that was the motivation and this is who i am um is there a benefit in getting to know the authentic or can we just trust it that it is, you know, like, do I, do I have a benefit in 
testing the air consistently or just know that air is here and I'm breathing it. And obviously, you know, if I can't breathe it, I'm, I'm dead. So there is air and I have lungs and this is happening consistently on its own. So therefore I don't need to necessarily see it. Um, but I know, and I trust that is. That occurs with everyone on an intuitive level. And what I do is uh, I'm not going to show them something that is uh, uh, truly remarkable in the sense that I really didn't know I was like that type of, of approach. But rather, I affirm and validate their in intuitions, what's going on. I validate it. So they've always known. I've always, I've always known I've been curious. But now since I know what wisdom is, I can extend out much further and, and find out why I do even the most trivial things. I couldn't do that before. And when I assess someone, they do the same. Well, I kind of knew I was like that, but then I said, let's go a little further. This colors, where do you get your wisdom? Where, what gives your life meaning? What gives your life purpose? And then their eyes open up because they, they don't go that far. What they do is they go to the immediate situation I'm dealing with uh, uh, my, my wife and I are not getting along. And so um, they want to just focus on that alone, but it's holistic. Everything around that situation is active too. And once you know your theme, you know what it is and why, and especially uh, uh, in relationships. Quite often relationships are not about the people, but the archetypes that are involved in a normal uh, relationship. Uh, I have, I just uh, assessed uh, uh, a couple. He was uh, wisdom and she was power. They get along wonderfully. Wisdom people don't want the power. They don't care. They're fine with it. Uh, and uh, that gives uh, the other partner the freedom to, en to engage in power. At the same time, by engaging in power, it gives the one in wisdom structure. So they really do feed off of each other quite nicely. And you'll see those marriages last quite a while. When a power and a love person uh, uh, gets married, it's a whole different, it's really fraught with all, all kinds of obstacles because their values are counter to each other quite often. So in your book, you have actually put in these kind of love and love and, you know, mm -hmm power, love, and justice. So when people come in into relatedness together, whether it's intimate relationship or work relationships or any, you look at the dynamic of when uh, one person is one uh, dominant theme and the other, how they might react and you know what are the benefits and, and uh, pitfalls that it actually happens. So definitely everyone that is in the book also. Um, John, what is your hope that when people read your book, what is it that they gain and how can they um, take what they've gained and utilize it every day in their life? I want them to find their real unique power. Power is not in being like everyone else. Power is about the uniqueness of who you are. And in that uniqueness, though, sometimes there are uh, uh, weaknesses that you might want to get rid of. But at the same time, it is connected to your authentic identity. And maybe that's not the thing to do. Next is other people tell you what you want, what you should be doing. That's the danger. That's all of my clients are, are people who had their parents and uh, uh, teachers and friends tell them what kind of career to get into. And so they come to me at 30 and 40 years old and they need to make a change. 
um, and they don't know why. And they thought, well, I really believe this is what I wanted to do. And uh, they found out that it, it's, it was a variety of things to do. And this is a one, but it wasn't the best. And they see why it's not the best. So uh, they make their changes and, uh, and live a happier life and not have any regrets, don't feel any guilt, don't feel um, that they're, they're doing something wrong because they don't have the money that their neighbor has or the, the life they think their neighbor has. And that's why I just, uh, I really want get, to get rid of that. I mean, number one uh, uh, compliment I've gotten is I feel validated. And now I'm not going to be ashamed for doing anything I do. That's exactly how I, as I was going through your book, um, it was more like, you know, I'm having an acceptance about who I am. Right. That's pretty much one of the most, um, like it's a jewel, you know, it's, it's oh, yeah. acceptance about ourselves and really, really experience ourselves in that way um of acceptance, validation, and, you know, seeing in our, in our own eyes, watching ourselves and observing ourselves, and then kind of like approving because we're keep looking for approval somewhere else. And, you know, to have that approval from ourselves, I think it, you know, creates a lot of glow. Um, so yes, absolutely. It's, it's uh, creates a knowledge based on how to look at ourselves and do that. Now, there's also this conversation, and I just want you to know your opinion about does categorization, um, does categorization support people in finding themselves or does it limit them in uh, boxing themselves and then kind of like justifying who they are? What are, because obviously you brought, you know, tremendous amount of wisdom into this concept and then you created categorization for it. Um, and I have obviously my ideas about, you know, categorization, what's the benefit and but I wanted to 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 see your perspective of the need to categorize this way in, in you know and obviously you brought it into four because you saw a pattern of four that was going on. Um, what was the need for this type of categorization, and how do you see it beneficial or limiting? Um, the benefit is to know what's really motivating you, uh, and the box is. Um, a source of psychic energy that you can now know you have and you can access. Um, the other is uh, all of psychology uh, and well, all of psychology, much of psychology is about categorization of various illness. Uh, the box doesn't restrict you. Box gives you power because now you know you have it. So if you're a justice person, and uh, you have an issue with, uh, let's say you're, you have a, a delicatessen and you have an issue with running it. Now you know that you're a justice person. Now you know why you have the problems you have. That's why you, you're you aware of the problems you think you have. And now you can actually sit down the piece of paper and figure it out on your own. And this is what many of my clients have, have done. So they use it. It's a freeing. It's, it's uh, uh, they were bound before because they didn't know. Now they know. Now they're free, and that's the difference. And if and I've done this uh, several times. Had a room full of people and just asked them, "When you wake up, what's the first thing you thought? What's the second thing you thought? What's the third? And it's always the same. They cared about something. They're going to meet somebody that day. 
uh, and they need to go learn something before they have that meeting because they need to be in action. Well, there's your four. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth. It's just, this is what it means to be human. But what's not being uh, mentioned so far is uh, the difference between wanting physical and abstract results. That's in the book as well. And that is profound when it comes to people trying to communicate with each other. Uh, an example could be my wife will call me up and say, I just picked up your cleaning. That's physical. And that's the way she shows affection. I say, well, let's, uh, let's uh, go out to dinner tonight. So I'm going to create a nice atmosphere, abstract. But she gets to say, I don't do anything around the house. And I get to say, you never invite me out to dinner. But we know now what we're doing. And couples have that issue sometimes. They're really communicating, but one's after the physical or the abstract result. Another area that's missed is rejuvenation. That's the time, that's uh, adult play. There's not written, not a lot written about it, but it's adult play. And, um, and that makes a difference with regards to parents and being upset with their uh, teenagers being on uh, the computer and playing games. And, and what happens, though, is they need that rejuvenation time, even more of it when you're young. Uh, and that enables you then to go into your, in a sense, your system, your authentic system and work it. And then you're tired, you want to break and you do something totally different from that. And so I give people permission to do that. And uh, then an acknowledgement. Everyone has their own form of acknowledgement. You do things because you're acknowledged a certain way. And so once you identify what people are acknowledging for really, then that changes what you're doing. Um, so there's uh, different aspects. There's 12 points to the assessment. We've only discussed four. Um, and all of it together makes them very unique. In fact, I've been doing this for 15 years and I've not had two, two authentics to be the same. Not two. And that's because there's 12 aspects. So imagine 12 times 12, well, quite a bit. So it's, it's very unique. Very interesting. Um, John, anything we haven't shared that you need to uh, make sure we share with everybody for them to know not only about your authentic system, but also your book? Well, if they, uh, uh, if they want to contact me, uh, they can contact me at john at authentic-systems.com. Uh, and uh, an email, and I can I'll react to that. Um, the other thing is we do this assessment personally. It's a one-on-one. -on -one. So this this is a very this is very unfair compared to a personality test when you have one question, one question, one question, and there's no follow-up question. It can't it can't be done accurately. So what I do in the moment because we're on the phone or on Zoom like this is I have follow-up questions after follow-up questions. So I don't have the first or second round of interpretation, but get into where it's very hard for them to find an answer, which is exactly where I want them because they're down to, gee, I don't know why I do that. That's where I want them. And that's when I make the discovery is what's really the psychic source. Beautiful. Everyone get the book, discover the power that drives you, your personality. Um, have four values, which are love, justice, wisdom, and power, define your world, John Boris. And you can find John 
Um, what is the uh, website or place that you can find you? Uh, John at AuthenticSystems.com uh, or just Authentics-Systems.com. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for spending this time and being with us. Well, thank you. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.